It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. San Fran Summit. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast East meets West in San Francisco today for a high-stakes summit between the world's two great superpowers. President Biden has a sit-down this afternoon with China's leader Xi Jinping. We're not trying to decouple from China. What we're trying to do is change the relationship. For the better. But former director of national security John Ratcliffe says Biden is not the man to do that. We have nothing to gain and everything to lose when Joe Biden is the one negotiating on behalf of the American people. Joe Biden and this administration has been soft on China just as they've been soft with all of our adversaries. Today's summit is the first face-to-face encounter between Biden and Xi in over a year. It's President Xi's first time in this country in more than five years. Hamas is holding hostages at hospitals, and now the Israeli military is battling the terrorists inside Gaza's largest hospital. Retired Army Colonel Jeff McCausland. It's one thing to fight an adversary in battle. That's horrific enough. But to try to do it in a hospital, doing it at night with no lights, this puts these Israeli soldiers in an enormously difficult U.S. intelligence confirms that Hamas is holding hostages in tunnels below the hospital in the Palestinian-controlled territory. Reporter Olivia Gonzalez. Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza City. The administration said it had information that Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad is using to store weapons, to hold hostages. And so that's underscored how challenging the military operation before the Israeli military is because of this practice by Hamas to embed itself in the civilian population. Yesterday, nearly 300,000 Americans descended on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. for the largest pro-Israel gathering in U.S. history. The U.S. House approving legislation to avert a government shutdown. On this vote, the yeas are 336, the nays are 95. The bill is passed. Correspondent Scott McFarland tells us how the two-step laddered approach to funding the government will work. It funds one-third of the government through January, and the other two-thirds through February, and that other two-thirds includes the military. So there's two different bites at the apple members will have to do the things they want to do with the spending bill. The Senate expected to approve the measure today. Six people killed yesterday in Ohio when a charter bus carrying high school students was rear-ended by a tractor-trailer. Governor Mike DeWan. This is uh, our worst nightmare when we have a bus full of children involved in a crash. Three students on the bus and three other died in the wreck. Police have made an arrest in connection to the shocking death of a professional hockey player. 29-year-old Adam Johnson's neck was slashed by a skate during a game last month in England. We've never seen this happen generally in sports. We've seen this plenty of times in boxing. We've seen where boxers have gotten killed and no charges are ever filed. So I'm a little surprised that this happened. Sports agent and lawyer Anthony Tall. I'm assuming that they're looking at the background. They're looking into whether or not there was some type of incident before these guys. In the circumstances surrounding how it happened, whether there's bad blood, 
but I'm very shocked by the arrest. Johnson was killed in a fatal collision on the ice on October 28th in England. Some who know the sport of hockey say it was a dirty play. Some sports memorabilia could fetch a record price at auction this week. A rare Babe Ruth baseball card is expected to fetch at least $10 million at auction. The 1914 card is from his days with the Baltimore Orioles, which were a minor league team at the time. The Babe was just 19. Only 10 copies of the card are known to exist. This one will be up for bid at Robert Edward Auctions Fall Sale on Friday. The card could flirt with the record for a baseball card set last year, when a 1952 mint condition Mickey Mantle card went for $12.6 million. The auction house says the Babe Ruth card is one of the rarest collectibles in American history. Michael Wallace with that report, and the website Baby Center says Noah has unseated Liam for the top baby name for boys this year. Olivia is still the top girl's name on that list. Still to come on the Noon Report, conservatives concerned with social media surveillance. PA House approves pension overhaul and tis the season for pesky porch pirates. A very good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams. It's a serene weather scene today. For how long might that last? We'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right. See you then. Thank you, Kevin. No one injured when a single-engine plane had to make an emergency landing yesterday on State Route 417 in Cattaraugus County, New York. That plane, which was being piloted by a 21-year-old from Maine, experienced mechanical trouble. The young pilot was able to set it down without incident just before 5 p.m. on the highway in the town of Carrollton. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's ordered police conduct surveillance on social media use in order to keep tabs on hate speech. But former gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin fears this surveillance effort is really a tool to go after conservatives. This is about hoarding power and being able to target political opposition in the name of combating anti-Semitism by allowing your thought police to be able to surveil online content, collect data, and to be able to crack down on on language that you don't like. Zeldin says Hochul's already proven her disdain for conservatives. Kathy Hochul told me that I should get on a bus and move to Florida because I'm a conservative. She's called New Yorkers her apostles. Who knows exactly how she plans on defining what hate speech is? Zeldin says the governor has not yet said what kind of content rises to the level of hate speech. The surveillance effort was launched in response to a rise in anti-Semitism across this country. The Pennsylvania House has approved a $1.8 billion boost to government workers' retirement pay. And this would include school teachers. Democrats call the measure long overdue, but Republicans fear it could result in higher taxes. The public pension legislation faces an uncertain future in the state Senate. The firm that New York is paying $4 million to review the state's pandemic policies is several months behind schedule. That report will detail how COVID decisions impacted schools, businesses, and healthcare facilities. Family Life's Jeremy Miller has more. The Olson Group, based in Virginia, is only halfway through its 32,000-hour review of the state's handling of the pandemic, which was supposed to be released this January. Governor Hochul requested the review, saying the state needs to learn from its decisions. Officials say the size and scale of the project is affecting the timeline, but won't impact the cost. Critics question how independent the review will be 
with a member of Hochul's cabinet communicating regularly with the firm. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Thank you, Jeremy. Pennsylvania gun shops are benefiting from gun control legislation across the border in New York. Gun owners from the Empire State are flocking to the Keystone State because of new background checks and fees on ammunition. This gun shop owner in northwestern Pennsylvania says he feels for New Yorkers. It's unreasonably difficult and unfair to anyone who wants I mean, if you wanted to buy one small box of 22 shells, you'd have to undergo a background check, which sometimes can be delayed for hours or even days. It's, it's just ridiculous. Corey Edwards runs Valley Gun Works in Northeast PA near Erie. The new upgrade to New York Safe Act took effect in mid-September. Now there's an extra step in there, and we cannot sell the ammunition until... It's not only until they fill out the background check, but we have to receive a proceed response from the New York State Police. Josh Hawkins is general manager of Just Holster It, firearms and training center in Buffalo. Gun retailers in New York must also keep a registry of what their customer buys, including how much ammunition they're purchasing. Tis the season for those pesky porch pirates, and cops warn the uptick in thefts will get worse during the Christmas shopping season. Trooper James O'Callaghan with the New York State Police. We find all different avenues and reasons why people would do this. A lot of these criminals that go around and do this specific crime, whether it be in a vehicle or stealing from someone's porch or stealing packages, is typically the same group of people. O'Callaghan suggests instead of having Christmas gifts sent to your home, have them delivered to your place of employment or to someone you know will be home. Employees at Mexican restaurants in four Pennsylvania counties will share in a national settlement. The federal government has found more than 40 Plaza Azteca restaurants failed to pay overtime over a five-year period. Nationwide, over a thousand workers at those restaurants will share in an $11.5 million settlement. New legislation in New York would excuse full-time caregivers from jury duty. Democrat Angelo Santa Barbara is sponsoring the measure in the state assembly. This is an acceptable exemption from jury duty, and it's also, you know, creates a level of certainty for caregivers. And as you know, jury duty can take them away for weeks, uh, sometimes months, for a very long time. Santa Barbara has a son with autism and says with the state already reeling from a labor shortage, the jury duty exemption rule just makes sense. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declaring November Adoption Awareness Month. She's freeing up $7 million in state funds to support adoption-related services. The money will be used in part to recruit more adoptive parents. The governor says as a mother and grandmother, she understands how important a stable household is for a child's development. In a dozen years, New Yorkers won't be able to buy new gas-powered vehicles unless somebody changes the law. And even those who are for the upgrade to green energy predict that New York will not be ready for the great electrification by then. Here's Family Life's Greg Gillespie. Michael Prinzi is president of PPR Energy Solutions, and he says if anyone wants to charge their car at home, they need to be calling an electrician. Many older homes have electrical systems that will not handle charging an electric vehicle.
model. That upgrade at your home can cost about $5,000. A group called Open Buffalo is trying to make it possible that there are more charging stations in less affluent neighborhoods, but that is still a long way away. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Thank you, Greg. Hyundai installing anti-theft software in vehicles this weekend in Rochester, New York, a city where thousands of vehicles have been stolen in recent months. Owners can get the software from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. both Friday and Saturday in the parking lot across the street from where the Rochester Red Wings play baseball. Innovative field. There is no cost and that installation takes about 30 minutes to complete. It's National Kindness Week and first graders from York County, Pennsylvania celebrated yesterday by dishing out encouragement at the York Central Market. Giving out flowers to show kindness. What did they say when you gave it to them? They said thank you and I said you're welcome. The six-year-olds at the York Academy discovered when you're kind to others. Sometimes they be nice to you. Sometimes they be nice to you. It's funny how that works. National Kindness Week is the brainchild of Kevin Smith who founded it seven months ago when he lost his wallet. One act of kindness on Good Friday morning changed my life. A good Samaritan woman was at my front door with wallet in hand. It just led to the next steps and turned into an adventure of a lifetime and uh, I think this is a time where we recognize our world's got a lot of troubles at the moment and a lot of challenges, but the solutions are simple. We just need more kindness. The first graders at the York Academy were treated to gifts and snacks for those random acts of kindness on display yesterday at the York Central Market. Let's pause next for sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Philadelphia 76ers win streak is over as the Pacers got a 33-point, 15-assist night from Tyrese Halliburton, and Indy knocked off Philly 132-126. Joel Embiid led all scorers with 39, but it wasn't enough to give the Sixers their ninth straight victory. Philadelphia now sits in third place in Group A of the in-season tournament. The Nets now 2-1 in group play after beating the Magic 124-104. Spencer Dinwiddie, 29 points to lead the way. Other winners on the hardwood, the Heat, Hawks, Thunder, Pelicans, Jazz, Nuggets, T-Wolves, and Lakers. On the ice, Boston had four different players score their first goals of the season as the Bruins dominated Buffalo 5-2. Score was three zip after one and five nothing into the second before the Sabres' Victor Olofsson found the back of the net. He scored twice. The Bruins now 12-1-2 on the season. Pittsburgh won their fifth straight behind a Sidney Crosby hat trick. He opened the scoring in the first and then lit the lamp with what proved to be the game winner late in the third. Crosby sealed the deal with an empty netter at the end of the game. 5-3 the final as the Pens down the Blue Jackets. Also skating to wins, the Flames 2-1 over Montreal. The Caps shut out Vegas 3-zip. The Ducks edged Nashville 3-2. The Blues shut out the Lightning 5-0. Dallas 4-3 winners over Arizona. The Jets doubled up the Devils 6-3. And the Sharks fell to Florida 5-3. And you kind of knew this was coming after Monday night's debacle. The Buffalo Bills have fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. You just knew heads were going to roll. 
quarterbacks coach Joe Brady taking over that position for the rest of the season. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, thank you. And still to come on the noon report of midweek edition, Hamas holds hostages in hospitals. East meets West in San Fran Summit and how to keep the peace at family gatherings for the holidays. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Recently on the Upstream Podcast, my colleague Shane Morris sat down with Father David Pelegi, the rector of Christ Church in Jerusalem. His work there involves helping Palestinian children through increased access to hospital care and by combating trafficking. He also educates Christians about the Jewish context of their faith. Father Pelegi has served as an Anglican minister in Jerusalem for about 40 years. And from that perspective, he thinks that the single most important aspect of the conflict is being missed by many in the West. Here's Father Pelegi. At its heart, there is a religious underpinning that uh, most secular people in the West don't understand because many Westerners, especially Western elites, can't take religion seriously. And so they focus on land or refugees or human rights, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to deny that any of these are important, especially the Palestinians, but there's something a lot deeper that's going on. In general, shaped by a secular vision of life in the world, Westerners tend to underestimate the significance of religion. In particular, Westerners fail to understand just how committed Islamists are to their vision of life and the world, especially when it comes to their most significant rival religions. The Islamicist in Palestinian society said, we don't want two states for two people. We want Palestine to be free from the river to the sea. We want Palestine to be an Islamic state. The Jews have no theological right. They have no claim theologically to a piece of territory that was once Islamic and really technically can't revert to or or can't become Jewish because Jews, like Christians, are second-class citizens within the Islamic world, and they have no right to rule or to reign over Muslims or have no right to take control of territory that was once Islamic. And there's also the issue of moral clarity, something that a secular vision of life in the world also cannot sufficiently undergird. What happened on October the 7th was a genocide. Genocide can never, ever be justified. And if people don't have enough maturity and enough historical nuance, or maybe even just common sense to say, I support the Palestinians, but at the same time, I'm going to condemn Hamas, or I cannot support what they did, then our society is in huge trouble. And I almost worry more about the United States than I would worry about Israel. Father Pelegi's realism here is helpful, not only because of his decades of experience on the ground there in this contentious part of the world, but also because it's a biblical realism. And though his prescription may sound simplistic, it is where any Christian vision of human conflict leaves us with Jesus. You know, people tell me, well, what's the answer to this Middle East problem? The answer is Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. And I think one of the things that we've learned over the years that saying you believe in Jesus, saying you admire Jesus, doesn't get you very far. If there's going to be transformation in the lives of a community or transformation in a family or a society, we have to put the teachings of Jesus into practice. 
to hear this entire conversation with Father Pelegi, Rector of Christ Church, Jerusalem, please search for the Upstream Podcast with Shane Morris wherever you listen to podcasts. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Let's go outside next. Kevin Wimps. Here is your family life weather forecast. The call for this afternoon, partly to mostly sunny and pleasant, milder than it was yesterday, the high in the 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy to clear and a low temperature in the 30s. Tomorrow, ample sunshine and pleasant with high temperatures near 60. Friday will turn out cloudy and breezy with showers arriving from west to east during the day and high temperatures in the 50s and lower 60s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's going on. Wednesday, the 15th of November, President Biden meeting today in San Francisco with China's leader, Xi Jinping. It's their first face-to-face encounter in over a year. It's also Xi's first visit to this country in five years. Correspondent Peter Alexander. For President Biden, today's high-stakes summit is part of an effort to restore one of the world's most consequential relationships. It's a tense rivalry that has been in a downward spiral for years. Asian affairs expert Grant Newsham does not expect today's summit will reap much in the way of results. We've been talking to China for 40 years now, and they've done all the things that they weren't supposed to do. They've turned into a military power, an economic power that is a serious threat to us. Why is it that this meeting is going to change anything? He says China has pretty much been on the wrong side of everything the past half century. To the Chinese, they are already at war with us. It's a political war. It's a non-shooting war yet. But all of that fentanyl is a very effective way to take 70,000 Americans off the battlefield, in fact, off the earth uh, every year. Fentanyl made in China comes into this country by way of Mexico. At today's summit, however, there could be a new partnership with China to try and stem the flow of fentanyl. U.S. intelligence confirms Hamas is holding hostages at hospitals in Gaza. The terror group is engaged in gun battles at Gaza largest hospital with the Israeli army and patients are caught in the crossfire. Israeli soldiers stormed the Al-Shifa hospital at 2 a.m. this morning. They say there are 650 patients inside, 400 medical staff and thousands of displaced people in the hospital complex. Israeli officials say the operation is based on intelligence information, is precise and targeted and is against Hamas in a specified area of the Shifa hospital. Correspondent Keir Simmons, the Pentagon, says there's evidence Hamas is using that hospital as a command and control center and is also storing weapons there. Reporter Margaret Brennan has the latest on efforts to free the hostages. There are active negotiations, proposals being passed back and forth between Israel and Hamas. The children being held by Hamas would be prioritized in any potential release. Ceasefires for a few days would potentially be involved here. And Israel is considering a proposal from Hamas to release Palestinian women and children from detention centers in Israel. Yesterday on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., nearly 300,000 people showed up to show their support for the state of Israel in the largest rally of its kind ever in U.S. history. A man's been arrested in connection to the death of a hockey player from Minnesota who was fatally injured during a game in England last month. Adam Johnson died October.
October 28th after an opposing player's skate cut his neck in what was called at the time a freak accident. Turns out it might have been something else. Out kicks Clay Travis. There is a fine line between what is physical and violent and within the bounds of the rules and what is beyond the scope. And I think in that particular uh, circumstance, these charges are justified. A man's been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter in connection to Johnson's death. The 29-year-old played for the Pittsburgh Penguins briefly before moving on to play hockey overseas. A rare moment of bipartisanship on Capitol Hill Tuesday. House Republicans and Democrats came together to pass a funding bill so as to avert a government shutdown. Reporter Nicole Killian says it came on a day that featured a lot of other sorts of fireworks and downright fisticuffs. The House overwhelmingly voted in favor of a two-step bill to extend government funding through early next year. More Democrats supported the measure with 209 backing it, along with 127 Republicans. The vote capped off a chaotic and contentious day on Capitol Hill. You look like a smurf here. For name-calling at a House oversight hearing. You've already been proven a liar. Who's proven me a liar? To a beef between former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Tennessee's Tim Burchett, who helped oust him. Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Burchett chased McCarthy after he said he was elbowed. Elbowed me in the kidneys. You don't buy his explanation? No, ma'am. And over in the Senate, former MMA fighter and Oklahoma Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen almost came to blows with the president of the Teamsters Union. We can beat two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. Hard to believe such things are happening on Capitol Hill. Grown adults. We wonder why there's so much dysfunction in our government these days. And today's a day you don't want to go to waste. According to National Geographic, Americans send 64 tons of waste to landfills during their lifetime. Well, today is a day that aims at reducing that amount and encouraging Americans to reuse, as it's National Recycling Day. Started in 1994, this day focuses on reducing disposal of one-time resources and reuse of many of those. Recycling is a much older concept than we give it credit for, as it has always played a key part in our relationship with natural resources. Many towns have programs for recycling plastic, glass, and other materials as part of its weekly collections. Trends like upcycling encourage use of resources in new and innovative ways. So today, look for ways you can reduce waste and check out collection efforts in your your own community, maybe including collection of old batteries free of charge. Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you, Brian. Next at noon, how to handle family dysfunction during the holidays. Ever been in that boat? Let's see those hands. Family Life's Martha Manikas Foster's talking to licensed family therapist Glenn Mutchins with Focus on the Family about how to keep the peace during what's supposed to be the most peaceful time of year. So, Glenn, if we know there's the potential for conflict with someone who's going to be at a holiday gathering, what might help us avoid or diffuse disagreement? before we even walk in? One thing I think is to realize what types of conflicts there may be. One is old dynamic conflicts. Those are things maybe related to if one child felt disfavored by a parent and another child was favored. Mm -hmm. A second one would just be present 
tensions. Your your niece or nephew got a bigger piece of pumpkin pie than you did or whatever. <laughs> and, and the third one we probably call conflict opinions, where people just have differing ideas on particular spiritual things or political things or social things. There's a lot of differences. So to the degree that we're able to address those beforehand, I think that's helpful. I think it's also constructive to look at, okay, what is our attitude towards the person or the people that we're going to be spending time with? Are there things that we can appreciate about them? Mm. And if I'm appreciative of someone, I'm probably going to be more understanding of them. I'm probably going to accept maybe a little bit of their their quirks. Glenn, once we're actually at the holiday gathering, what would you say we should avoid doing? I would say it's important not to stir the pot or mm. avoid the pot. Huh. Uh, stir the pot. I mean, there, there are certain individuals, they're, they're kind of looking for a fight mm. and we don't have to kind of battle it out with them. You're probably not going to change someone's opinion. That doesn't mean that you can't have a constructive answer for questions that come up. On the other hand, we don't have to, oh no, we don't see eye to eye. Isn't this terrible? No, mm. people can disagree in a respectful, agreeable way. So if we kind of go in with that in mind, what not to do, what would it be helpful for us to do or to say while we're in that gathering? I think there's, there's great wisdom that comes out of Ephesians 4.29. And it's something that I would say in any and every relationship, not just at the holiday time, but in any and every relationship it applies. Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, mm. that it may give grace to those who hear. So recognize that you have an incredible opportunity both to be a witness to people, and it may be an aspect of discipleship in the sense that they get to see someone who deals with conflict in a constructive way. Mm. You want to be able to look for agreement, especially with the person who is trying to pick a fight. And I think probably... One of the best sentences in the English language is this. You and I see that differently. What is there to say after that? The person has their opinion. You have yours. And it may not be helpful to continue the conversation. We have more options as far as what we do with a situation than I think we realize. So, Glenn, what words of encouragement do you have for people who, right this moment, listening to us, are already anxious, their stomachs in knots, as they think about the coming family gatherings? I would say probably the most important thing is to realize God is going to be with you. Mm. You're not there on your own. The Spirit of God, if you've trusted in Christ, if you've received God's free gift of, of salvation through faith in Christ, He's going to be with you. And realize that that presence is going to be important. We have this kind of love affair with comfort. So mm. anything that mm-hmm. makes me feel uncomfortable can sure. be pretty disturbing. But we're going to get through it, even if it's going to be an uncomfortable time. If you can embrace the discomfort and realize that this is a learning opportunity for you. Most of the times that we have the greatest growth as believers in Christ is when things are not the most comfortable for Mm -hmm. us. So even if it's challenging, God's going to be with us. We're going to get through it. And there's an old classic movie that uh, probably most people have seen. It's The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene in there when they're in front of the great and mighty wizard and and the big, deep voice coming through and the smoke, and they're shaking in their boots. Right. And then Toto goes over and pulls a curtain back. When people are pretty boisterous with us, when people are looking for an argument, we tend to view them as the the mighty great wizard. I mean, and and we quake Mm -hmm. in our boots. 
But in reality, it's kind of like the little old wizard behind the screen who is not all that frightening and is probably dealing with some deeper stuff in his or her life than we realize. So what can first feel intimidating for us in reality can engender a sense of compassion and concern for another person. That is licensed family therapist Glenn Mutchins of Focus on the Family on how to handle family conflict during the holidays. You're listening to The Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A nice day underway across our region today for November, and we'll do it again tomorrow. High pressure is our fair-weather friend. But that high will leave us on Friday, allowing a cold front to approach. That will cause some breezes, some showers, and in its wake, noticeably chillier air for the upcoming weekend. The call for this afternoon, partly to mostly sunny and pleasant, milder than it was yesterday, the high in the 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy to clear, and a low temperature in the 30s. Tomorrow, ample sunshine and pleasant with high temperatures near 60. Friday will turn out cloudy and breezy with showers arriving from west to east during the day and high temperatures in the 50s and lower 60s. All right, thank you, Kevin. And finally, at noon today for a Wednesday, the American Society of Microbiology says your refrigerator is gross. And Bree Tennis says it's time to do something about it on National Clean Out Your Fridge Day. It has more bacteria than a toilet seat. A lot more. The average bacteria unit count on your toilet's about 3,200. On your crisper drawer, it's nearly 8. 8,000. The acceptable level is 10. So today, in honor of Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day, it's time to tidy up that science experiment anchoring your kitchen. Toss out what's gross and clean everything else with a bleach solution. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Thank you very much, Bree. And that's the world we live in. Wednesday, the 15th of November. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.